Oh, yeah, it is showtime here on IdahoSports.com. Welcome into this uh, special edition of the IdahoSports.com PrepCast, our live 2021 State Baseball Tournament Preview. We've got, uh, well, almost all of the play-by-play broadcasters that will be broadcasting starting tomorrow. I can't even believe it. State Baseball is here. I'm Brandon Bainey. I'll be broadcasting the State 1A Tournament in Orofino. If you're watching the video live on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, uh, directly to my my right is Scott Burton, the Magic Man in the Magic Valley. You're doing the 4A tournament. Scott, how you doing? Doing very well. We're just hoping the weather holds up down here. Yes, of course. All right. And then uh, to the bottom, directly below me, I feel like we're on the Brady Bunch, guys. <laughs> <I'm> gonna... <laughs> uh, Can I be the lovely lady? <laughs> directly below me is Lauren Jensen. Of course, Lauren was with me last night as we uh, previewed the state softball tournaments. Lauren is going to have a preview of the 2A tournament in Pocatello. Lauren, uh, two days in a row, I get to see your face. What a pleasure. Yeah, a pleasure is all mine, I'm sure, Brandon. So thanks for having me here. All right, enough with the pleasantries. Uh, the guy directly <laughs> below Scott here on the video stream. Uh, this was kind of like when David Lee Roth announced he was rejoining Van Halen. This was big news. Gary Jones back with us on IdahoSports.com. Gary, so good to see you. Hey, I just got to tell you, with that COVID year we had, I took a year off of Idaho Sports. I felt terrible doing it. And yeah. I miss you guys. I love you guys. I miss the job. I miss the kids. I miss the game. It is so nice to be back. Yeah, well, we certainly missed you as well, Gary. And let's see if we can bring him in, our fifth play-by-play broadcaster, uh, broadcasting from who knows where, <laughs> Mike Safford, uh, broadcasting the 5A state tournament this year for us. Mike, how are you? He's frozen. <laughs> Your silence speaks volumes, Mike. All right, we're going we're gonna to patch. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no. All right. <laughs> and this is why it's so fun, everybody, because it's live. We are live video streaming on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube. I'm just going to remove Mike for a second until he gets unfrozen. Uh, and so, again, we're doing this live. If you want to give a shout out to your favorite athlete, your favorite player, your favorite coach, how about your favorite broadcaster? I think Gary would win that in a landslide. But uh, just Give anybody a shout out, put it in the comments. We'll put it up on the screen and make sure your favorite team or player or coach is acknowledged. So uh, I was going to start with the five A's uh, because that's the way we typically do these things. But with Mike having some technical difficulties, I guess we could probably start the other way, guys. You guys all right with that? We start one A and work our way up. Let's do it. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm doing the state 1A tournament, so this is going to be pretty easy right off the bat. Here's a look at the bracket. Now, the 1A is a little bit different than your traditional 2A, 3A, 4A, 5A, because there's only six teams competing, and there's only two districts total in 1A baseball. So the two district champions, Genesee from the north and North Star from District 3 in western Idaho, they get first-round buys, so they only have to win two games to win state. Everybody else has to win three. And up uh, up first in our first matchup, and, and this tournament doesn't start till Friday either, and this is in Orofino uh, because there's only six teams. So the first matchup is Glens Ferry against Prairie, and then you've got Kamii going up against Horseshoe Bend. Now, the White Pine League or District 2 was like absolutely bananas. You ended up in the district championship with the number five seed Genesee playing the number six seed Kamii. Everybody saw that coming in, right? I mean... What a wild uh, and unpredictable district tournament that was. In fact, 
heading into the final day of the regular season, there was a three-way tie for first place between Prairie and Kendrick and Troy. And Prairie is the only team that survived districts to get to state, and they'll have to do it the hard way after finishing third. But I think if you look at that bracket again, and as we pull it up, I think Prairie is actually set up really well. They're on the opposite side of the bracket from North Star, which is the overwhelming favorite coming in. North Star is 14-1 and on the season. Uh, but Prairie, you know, is no slouch either. They have the second-best record at 12-5, and and so I think they just got into some bad luck at districts. So I think Prairie, you know, has a tough first-round matchup with the Glens Ferry team that's coming off a second-place finish at districts. But I think for the Pirates, traditionally a pretty strong baseball program, I think they've got a great chance. Uh, talking to their head coach, Kyle Westoff, last night, he said, really it benefits us having the tournament in North Idaho in Orofino because in the history of Prairie football and baseball, we have never won a state championship outside of North, North Idaho. So being at home, he feels like is going to give his team a big advantage. But the conversation starts and ends with North Star. Uh, First-year baseball program, believe it or not. Yes, their head coach, Simon Mahler, lives in Eagle, has two young sons, and as he started to research the different high schools in his area that play baseball, he discovered that really there aren't a ton, and a lot of baseball players get cut at those 5A and 4A schools because so many kids try out and there's only X amount of spots, and he said, well, there should be options, you know? My kids, when they get to high school, are probably never going to make it if 40 to 50 kids are getting cut per school. So he said, I went to North Star Charter and asked, do you guys play baseball? They said no. He said, well, let's fix that. Let's get a program going. It was a couple of years in the making. And last year actually was supposed to be their first year, but it was delayed because of COVID-19, of course. And, and now here in their debut season, 14-1. and one, Their only loss was to Cole Valley Christian, a 2A school. They went 10-0 and 0 in, their, in their district. The run differential is like bonkers. They have scored 249 runs this year. They've only allowed 45. That's a run differential of 204 runs. And he's, you know, <laughs> Coach Mahler said, we've got all these lopsided scores, and but we don't feel good about that. I mean, they get to a point in the game where they start trying to, if they hit a gapper, they stop at first base. You know, we, we stop stealing bases. We shut it down. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how North Star, they kind of ran through District 3, how they do with those teams up north. I think uh, on the bottom side of the bracket, that's where North Star is. You know, Kamii. Uh, has to take on Horseshoe Bend right off the bat. Kamii came in as the number six seed. They actually have a sub-500 record. They're 9-11 and 11 overall, and their run differential is one, literally one. They've scored 141 runs. They've given up 140. So that's about as even-steven as you can be for Kamii. So, you know, there's some teams that probably weren't expected to be here, like Kamii and, you know, Glens Ferry is 9-17, and 17, but 10 of those 17 losses came to 2A competition. Um, so there's, it's, it's a good mix. It's North stars tournament, I think to lose certainly, but I think Prairie has a great shot. And like we saw at districts, especially in district two, you know, anybody can get on a hot streak. The big thing is going to be the pitchers, those teams that have to play three games. Do they have enough pitching to withstand that for North for North star and Genesee only having two games, it makes it a little bit easier on the pitching staff. So that's kind of the one, a breakdown. Do you guys have anything to add to that or. I'm just jealous that you get to go up to Orofino. That field is phenomenal. When I was in high school, I got to play in the state tournament there in Orofino, and it is, uh, it's not the greatest facility, but the field and the backdrop, the mountains and the river down there, it's its gorgeous. I could spend all day just sitting there 
watching baseball at that field. It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as, as we mentioned, this is a live stream. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel. If you want to give your favorite player or coach or broadcaster a shout-out, do so in the comments. We'll put it up on the screen uh, right away. Some guy named uh, Paul Kingsbury. My favorite broadcaster is part of this preview show. Way to uh, take the coward stance there. <laughs> we can play a fun guessing game and, and decide who he's talking about. Also, we all know he's talking about Scott. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, Lauren, you mentioned the 1A tournament's going to be in Orofino. Brian says, home of the Maniacs. That's right. In such a beautiful stadium with the river running behind it. I'm very excited. This will be my first time being in Orofino at their baseball facilities. I think it's going to be outstanding. Orofino plays in the 2A classification, as does uh, Grangeville. Let's go Grangeville Bulldogs. And how about let's go Dragons, the Malad Dragons, Lauren. This is going to be a really fun 2A tournament, I think, if we pull up the bracket here. What do you see right off the bat? Well, you start looking at the top half. You know, I think Nampa Christian comes in, has got to be the favorite. They're undefeated. They're 25-0 and 0 overall, 10-0. Um, coach head coach Mark Harris. I mean, he's an institution there at Nampa Christian. He's been coaching. I was talking to Gary. Gary was a head coach at New Plymouth, um, you know, starting in like 85. And, and Gary remembers Mark Harris coaching then at Nampa Christian. And I remember him as a player there when I played at New Plymouth. And so, I mean, that guy is an institution. They've had a ton of success. And so Nampa Christian on that top half of that bracket, they're, they're the team to beat. Um, they're going up against Bear Lake, um, who's under 500, you know, they're seven and 14. That's going to be a tough game for Bear Lake. Firth and Declo, I think it's a really evenly matched game, both district champions, Firth out of six district, Declo out of the fourth. And so I think that game's kind of a toss up. I got to give a shout out to Rigo Vasquez, the head coach at Firth, know him from refereeing basketball and a few other things, but you know, Nampa Christian kind of the, the team to beat there on that top half and probably the, the overall favorite. And right there, we got that going for an 11th title. You know, we had four in a row back from like 15 to 18. And that's Amazing. just phenomenal. Yeah. You know, if I, yeah, can about Mark Harris, if I can interject about Mark Harris when I first joined him when, back, we first started coaching 84, 85, something like that. And he was there. I always circled them for a win because when he started, they weren't very good. You pretty much had a 10 run, rule against them and you could but that ended so quickly after a couple of years that nonsense was over and you didn't circle them for a win you circled them for you knew you were in for a game mark harris turned that program around and he has never looked back yeah i yes. think yeah nampa christian definitely looks pretty solid but i you know i, I don't know there, there might be a team or two lying in the weeds who i mean who else really stands out to you lauren if we look at this well program? you've got grangeville there you know and grangeville they're 21 and 4 6 and 0 in conference and malad those are the two on the bottom of the bracket that really stood out to me malad's had a phenomenal season uh 19 and 3 <laughs> overall um, their, their run differentials really good. You know, they're scoring 10 runs a game, only giving up about two and a half. Grangeville, again, they're, they're scoring 12 runs a game, only giving up four. And so, you know, down there in the bottom, the Grangeville and, and Malat are the two favorites, in my opinion, on the bottom half of the bracket. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see them meet up. Melba, 
you know, Melba is a young team. I heard from their head coach. They're kind of young, but they, they, they made their way through and they're 15 and eight overall, seven and two in conference. Got to assume at least those two losses are probably to Nampa Christian. And so, you know, they, they could give Grangeville a little run for their money as well. And then, of course, you got Orofino, the Maniacs, best mascot probably in the country. Um, but, you know, 14 and seven overall, four and three in conference, you know, they're trying to make a statement for themselves as well, coming in as the B seed uh, behind Grangeville. So, yeah, it's it's wide open, but, you know, you still, you got to look at Nampa Christian as the prohibitive favorite in the tournament upcoming. I think, you know, the defending state champion in the 2A ranks is Melba um, back in 2019 because of the missed season last year. But so don't count them out. You know, they, there's probably, there might be a couple of kids still hanging on on that team from Melba that remember that experience. And De- who did they play? They played Declo in that, in that state championship game. So, there, a lot of these teams are holdovers from a couple of years ago that were in the tournament as well. So they're all vying for that for that uh, trophy and that title. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting tournament for sure. Two anecdotes about the 2A ranks and some of the teams that are there. Grangeville, in their season opener this year, it was a doubleheader. In the first game, Blake Shue, uh, it was either the first or second game, but in one game he basically pitched a no-hitter, and then in the second game he hit a grand slam and had like <laughs> five or six RBIs, which is just like – crazy and then Malab <laughs> this year was playing Leighton Christian Academy in Utah and, and it was kind of an overmatched team and their coach Bo Clark told me that we didn't want to really we wanted to save our good pitchers for later in the week against tougher competition so they they took a kid Peyton Briggs he hadn't pitched all season and I, I believe he hadn't pitched at all in his high school career and Briggs asked him, hey, can I start on the mound? He said, sure, why not? He, he goes out and throws a no-hitter <laughs> in his first game ever so that was pretty cool from a lad as well. Yeah. And, you know, just to highlight a few people for Declo as well, you know, I was looking at their, their batting averages you know, on some of their statistics. They've got six guys batting over 300 and they've got three of those guys batting over 400. Derek Matthews is batting 438. They've got Dalton Powell at 500 and then Gabe Matthews. He's batting 703. That's phenomenal at any level. You know, even if it is high school, I mean, he's just been dominant at the plate. That's so, you know, they've got some good hitters. And so no matter who they come up against, pitching is going to have to be careful if if they don't want to get up, give up a lot of runs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, So Nampa Christian, we think the favorite there in the 2A ranks. Let's transition to 3A. And uh, here's a shout out. Isaac Bowman, Marsh Valley, keeping an eye out, which. Gary is probably a good place to start. They're the defending champs, and they have just blown through the competition this year. But what do you see, Gary, when you look at this 3A bracket? Yeah, the one that jumps out to you is Marsh Valley because they're 24-0 and overall, and they have a small league, so they're only 4-0 and in league, but they haven't lost a game all year. And the second-best team record-wise would be Kimberly. They're, it's interesting. They're 18-3-1. and yeah. They had a tie ball game. I don't know the story about it, but I've I've never heard of a tie ball game in all my years in Idaho and baseball. But apparently they did. They were nine and zero in league too. Um, but here's the one thing: when I coach, I would always tell my players, I don't care who the number one team is going into a state tournament. If I'm in the tournament and I'm not the number one team, because 
how many times in the NBA, the major league or NFL, does the number one team from the season win the Super Bowl or the World Series? I'm willing to bet it's maybe 50% of the time in major leagues. You know, and I would always tell my kids, you don't have the best record in the league in, in, in the tournament, but all you have to do is win three games in a row. It's all you have to do is win three games. It doesn't matter whether you, they're a 24-0 team or a 1-12 team. Just win three games in a row, and you're the best team in state. And so, to me, I think there's always a lot of pressure on an undefeated team like Marsh Valley. Um, because if they lose one game and they're 24 and one, they're not going to be a state champion and it's hard. And so you just got to take every game one by one, especially in baseball when your best pitcher might not be on the mound. And, uh, so to me in all these divisions, everybody has a chance at state because it's only a three game tournament. So, um, nobody should hang their head going in there. Oh, we can't beat Marsh Valley. Well, maybe you can, you know, all you, like I said, all you have to do is win three games and you're the best team in the state. Yeah. Let me ask you about that, Gary, because you've, you've seen a lot of baseball and there's, it's kind of a roll of the dice when you're a coach and you have to win those three games. Do you throw your best pitcher right away and, and win the game right in front of you? Or do you go with the strategy of trying to save your best arms for down the road, knowing that you may not get there? It's kind of a gamble. But what, I mean, what do you think in terms of strategy with pitchers? You know, it's funny you should ask me this question because I'll go back to my district records. I only won one district. I won league a few times. I went to state three times and won it in 94. But my district record wasn't great. And that's because of what you just said. Sometimes I rested my best pitcher, hoping I'd play him in the second game. Lost the first game in district. And in baseball district back in the 80s and 90s was single elimination. After three months of play, if you lost one game in district, you were done. And the worst year ever, I won league, played Napa Christian. I played him the day before district. And we beat Napa Christian by like 18 runs. Played him the next day, and they beat us by one, and we were done. So... I struggled with that decision so much. I don't really have an answer for you, but I know one thing. After that year, I stopped saving my pitcher. So, okay. you know, it's it's a very that's a very complex question because it's 2020 hindsight's always going to kill you. You know, if you do if you make the wrong decision, if you start your best pitcher and he loses, then you're done. If you don't and you lose, you think, "Hey, why didn't I start my best pitcher?" So, that probably was the hardest decision for me as a baseball coach. Sure. We're getting some more comments here on the live stream. Paul Kingsbury having some fun again with us. Non-sports related question. Is it a rule for broadcasters that as they get older, they hang more things on their walls? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, Brian yeah. says, that's something I noticed. The two older guys have a lot of stuff on their walls. That's his words, not mine, guys. That's not my words. That's hey, Brian's. Hey, words. We've, got, we've got all life experiences, right, Gary? The stories exactly. to tell. It's either that or overcompensation, something. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, the back, other thing about the right, tournament is that Idaho um, seeds their state tournament off district. And sometimes it creates unequal matchups in terms of seeding. And the classic one is Fruitland. Fruitland, which has won uh, since um, 2009, has won one, two, six. Fruitland has a great history. 
and they were undefeated in league 10 and 0. Well, Weezer, or excuse me, Homedale snuck in to state as the number one seed because they upset Fruitland in a district championship game. And they were only six and four in league. They were in third place. So they were the third seed out of league, yet they're the number one seed out of district. And so, you know, for somebody like Kimberly, Kimberly was first. They thought they'd get, you know, a two or a three seed. No, they got Fruitland. I know they're not the number one seed from district, but they're the number one seed from the WIC or from the Snake River Conference, surely. They got upset by Homedale. So sometimes you have to deal with that seeding the way Idaho does it. It may seem a little unfair to Kimberly, but that's just the, the roll of the dice. You got to deal with it and you got to try to win that game. Yeah, like Brian Hall says, Kimberly and Marsh Valley in the same part of the bracket should be the title game, and instead it might be a potential semifinal. Uh, also, a, a shout-out to the South Fremont Cougars. Christopher Glasscock says, South Fremont is a threat. I have to agree. You know, South Fremont comes from a small district, but they've got a great coach in Chad Hall. They beat Sugar Salem in their best-of-three-game series, and they, they I don't know, they're kind of just solid and steady. They're not super flashy or anything, but South Fremont on the top part of the bracket looks pretty good too, Gary. 19 and six overall and four and oh in league. Yeah, they're the real deal. And like I said, too, again, wipe the records off. This is a three game World Series to win it all. And a lot of times, records don't mean anything. They could mean you're a good team, but good teams can lose. And Absolutely. so, I, I, there's always upsets in state because there's a lot of pressure on these kids and they're just teenagers. Sometimes it's the first time at state and nerves, definitely. I could tell you. When I won state, I was the most nervous guy in the field. That was the most nerve-wracking game of my life because I knew I was supposed to win. I was playing Homedale for the fourth time. We'd beaten him three times. And I kept fearing I'm going to lose one out of four to Homedale, and I'm not going to be a state champion. Neither will my kids. So I was incredibly nervous in that game. I don't know how nervous my kids were, but I remember the third-base coach during the game, he asked me, the third-base umpire said, Coach, you don't look like you're having much fun. It looks like you're really not having fun. And I looked at him. I said, I'm really not. I go, you can tell. And then I thought, boy, I hope my kids don't know. But when the last hour was recorded, I literally was the happiest guy on the planet. I was jumping around hugging everybody. But there is a lot of pressure at state. And that's why it's sometimes records can be meaningless. The teams that play the best, play under pressure, and do those things you have to do to win, which in baseball is put the ball in play and don't walk. If you're a pitcher, there's no defense for walks. And if you do the right things, you can beat anybody at any given day. Yeah. It, you know, Brandon, yeah. back in 2019, I got to call the, the 3A state tournament. And, you know, South Fremont was there, head coach Chad Hill. He's been there for a long time, you know, heavily involved in, in all the programs there at, at South Fremont. And they just came up against a buzzsaw in Marsh Valley. And, but they've got a phenomenal team. They've got good athletes. They've got another shot this year, um, and I'm sure they want a little redemption against Marsh Valley. And just as a side note, last team to beat Marsh Valley, that was Filer way back in 2019. So, that, you know, that's it's been a long time. You know, granted, they didn't play last, but it's been a long time since they've lost a game. 
Yeah, well, and, and Marsh Valley, of course, won the boys' basketball championship earlier this winter. Kent Howell coaches basketball and baseball at Marsh Valley, so he's been a, he's been a busy guy in terms of postseason runs. Let's take a look at the 4A bracket now, Scott, as we look here. Columbia against Pocatello, Canyon Ridge against Ridgeview, Bishop Kelly and Sandpoint, and then Twin Falls and Bonneville. This tournament will take place uh, at the College of Southern Idaho in Twin Falls. What stands out to you, Scott? Well, what stands out to me is that in the final coaches poll, only two teams that were in the top five made the tournament. And that's the number one Twin Falls Bruins and the number two ranked Bishop Kelly Knights. And as fate would have it, they're on the same side of the bracket. Yeah. So you can bet this 4A bracket is going to raise a lot of questions, especially if things start to go chalk. Uh, because you had so many upsets in district tournaments coming into this 4A tournament. And just to piggyback a little bit off of what Gary said, you know, it it really isn't so much about the records. It's about who's getting hot at the right time. And so you've got six of these teams, not saying that these six don't deserve to be here because they definitely do, but you have really six hot teams coming in versus the two teams that have been nails up and down the schedule all season long. And so it's going to clash and something is going to give. So let's take a look at the top of the bracket. We open the tournament with Columbia and Pocatello. Now Columbia, you know, they were the number four seed going into their district tournament. And uh, they came out with a state berth as the three C team uh, sporting a record of 13 and 11. But this is a team that started 0 and 5 and they started 0 and 5 and were outscored 36 to 6 to start the season. So it took them a little bit uh, to, to find their stride, and they, they won the play-in game against Hillcrest convincingly 9-1. Uh, to one. But the thing about Columbia is they do have something that Pocatello is going to have to pay attention to, is this is a team that is young. They've only uh, – they rely on two sophomore pitchers. I'll get to that in a minute. But this is a team that does not strike out very often. They put the bat on the ball. Now, one of their weaknesses is power and speed, but this is a contact hitting team. And so if you get into those situations to where, you know, a, a defensive team is a little bit nervous, a little bit amped up, whatever, and start making mistakes, Columbia is a team that will make you pay because they're not going to give you a whole lot of free outs. They're going to make you earn it. Now they do have two sophomore pitchers that they rely on quite heavily. Mario DeLeon, who's a lefty and Caden Campa, uh, who's the righty, you know, and, you know, they both have got under, two ERAs, 1.8, and and then, then you've got senior right-hander, uh, Ethan, I'm going to screw the name of Deja, Deja Como, so forgive me on that one, with a 1.2 ERA. So this is a team that is, I don't know, it's really interesting to see what they do. They're going to make you earn it, but let's talk about Pocatello, the team they're going to play. Pokey comes in with almost an identical record of 13 and 10. They won the 5A. Hey, welcome back. Hey, Mike. <laughs> Can you hear us? Okay. So, okay. Anyways, continue, Scott. We'll get to Mike in the 5A preview here in just a moment, but breaking down that Pocatello-Columbia matchup in the 4A. Yeah, you know, and Pocatello comes in with a record of 13 and 10, and they can score some runs. They're averaging almost seven runs a game. And so this is a team that uh, lost nine games. Nine of their 10 games were – against three opponents, Century, Preston, and Skyline. But here's the thing about that, and if you want to talk about competition, Century, Preston, and Skyline together combined 32 and 46. So the question is, what kind of competition has Pocatello seen? 
because now they're going to go into the top eight teams that have qualified for this state tournament. And that's going to be the one thing. They're a young team, one senior. Have they seen the competition that's going to allow them to advance in the state tournament? So there's the interesting part of the opening game. And then we hit Canyon Ridge and Ridgeview. Um, the Battle of the Ridge, I guess, however you want to say that. <laughs> Canyon Ridge uh, comes in as the 4BC, 19-9. and nine. That's the most wins in school history for Canyon Ridge. Their very first trip to state. But the interesting thing here is that they have all of the ingredients to do well. They have three really good arms. Uh, Ian Hughes, Stephen Garrett, Legrone, uh, Le and Colton Price. All these kids can throw the baseball and they swing it. So when you've got that combination of three solid arms, you can hit the baseball. And uh, how is the experience now? First trip here, that's going to play a part. And so, uh, you know, you look at those two pitchers that I talked about, Hughes and Garrett Legrone, they are both committed to Columbia Basin to play college. And they both throw in the low to mid 80s. One of them's got a nice cutter to complement. And so this is a team, like I said, that, uh, that has some um, pieces in place. But uh, they had one four-game losing streak. Other than that, they've been really, really consistent. And one thing that you're going to have uh, with Canyon Ridge is to celebrate their trip to state. I hope Mike hasn't crashed his car. Okay, <laughs> okay all right. <laughs> we got a man down. Mike's, Mike's, Mike's <laughs> had enough of that. Uh, real quick, too, <laughs> Scott. I know, yeah. you were, I know you were tripping on that name a little bit. Paul says it's pronounced Pepper Jenner. <laughs> so, oh, solid, anyway. solid inside joke. All right. Oh, my goodness. Uh, one thing you're going to see with Canyon Ridge is that they all colored their hair. So, you're going to see, don't adjust your screens tomorrow. Canyon Ridge has all colored their hair. But that's a team to kind of keep an eye on. They're going to open up with Ridgeview, which screwed up the entire bracket by winning District 3 because that was supposed to be Bishop Kelly. Uh, Ridgeview uh, came into that district tournament, um, the number five seed in the tournament. And then they ended up winning the whole thing, and it kind of flipped everything on its ear. But Ridgeview, 15-10, and 10, getting hot at the right time. They knocked off number one Middleton in the district tournament. They knocked off number two Bishop Kelly in the district tournament. And so this is a team uh, that is getting hot at the right time. They also are pretty young, only three seniors. And, um, you know, they, uh, they're scoring seven runs a game, and so they can score. They lost four games before hitting the district tournament. Then they just caught fire, you know. And so, again, it goes right back to Gary's point. Who's hot at the right time? This Ridgeview team is smoking hot right now. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do against the arms of Canyon Ridge. And then you move into the next game between Bishop Kelly and Sandpoint. And Bishop Kelly – Finished the season number two ranked, coming in 19-5 and five record. You know, they've got two losses to Middleton, a loss to Twin Falls, a loss to Valley View, and a loss to Ridgeview. And then pretty much everything is, is a win at that point. Uh, they lost to Ridgeview in the district tourney. This is a team that could be the most consistent uh, next to Twin Falls. Well, obviously, next to Twin Falls is they have not lost two games in a row all season. You know, I mean, so when they were losing their games, I mean, they were just dropping one here, dropping one here, five different different times. They come in with a 354 batting average and 10 runs. This team can swing it. And uh, Carter Vandenberg, 
459 average on the season. So, I mean, this is a team that can hit. They've got a couple of solid pitchers, Colin Dempsey, Parker Seahauer, and this team is good. This team is really good. And the thing that makes them unique is that they are aggressive. They will take an extra base on you. Singles turn into doubles. They will still second. They will still third. They don't stop around the base pass, which puts a lot of pressure on the defense and puts a lot of pressure on opposing pitchers. And so that is whoever plays Bishop Kelly is going to have to deal with that. And uh, when you get to the state tournament, it's the little things that are going to make a difference. And Bishop Kelly, keep an eye on. They are good. But they're going to handle uh, – they're going to deal with Sandpoint, the one 2 a team coming in with a record of 18 and 8 and it's always a mystery out of the north because they play in that combined 5a 4a uh, league and this is a really consistent team they did have a four game losing streak uh, they do have senior leadership seven seniors um, but going back to that four game losing streak I mean they're playing Coeur d'Alene and Lewiston you know and Post Falls I mean they're playing these teams so when you look at this it's like well they're losing to some pretty good teams Sandpoint is scoring, and now keep this in mind. You put it all in context. They're seeing a lot of that 5A pitching, right? They're still scoring nine runs a game. So this is a team that could put points on the board. And, um, you know, the uh, the post balls, Lewiston, Coeur d'Alene, that's in their conference, they're a combined 46 and 25 on the season. You know, and so I think Sandpoint might be the dark horse, but – you know, for them, they get open up against powerhouse Bishop Kelly. But that Sandpoint team might be somebody to watch. Well, and you know, what's, you know what's crazy about that, Scott, is Sandpoint had to uh, – they lost in their regular season finale to Lakeland, a team that had like two or three wins all season. And because of that, they didn't even have the number one seed at districts. Moscow did. And so Sandpoint had to uh, basically play Lakeland again in that play-in game, and that was a tight one. And they won essentially on a walk-off hit. Uh, at the very end of the game. So, they, I mean, they were this close to not even advancing out of districts, and now here they are, a chance to really make some noise. And that's a really good point, too. I mean, teams like that can just be happy that they're there, or they can recognize, man, we almost didn't make this. Let's make the most of this. So uh, that's a really good point. Uh, move into the nightcap now. You've got Twin Falls playing in their hometown, not their home field, but their hometown, Coming in with the best record in the 4A's, 20 and 6. They are the number one ranked team in 4A. They have head coach Tim Stottlemyre back. He was on a leave of absence. Now he is back, just like uh, Mr. Safford here. And um, I think the over under on whether or not we lose Mike again is eight seconds. So <laughs> I'm going to take the under. I'll take the under. <laughs> and so Twin Falls, you know, and they come in with a record of 20 and 6. They started the season 0 and 3. You know, and so since then they have been the hottest and best team in baseball 20 and 3 the rest of the way. They do have a loss to Canyon Ridge, who's also in the tournament and a conference pro. Oh, they also have losses to 5A Rocky and 5A Mountain View as well. You know, those were not blowouts by any means. This is a solid team. And, you know, a team like Twin Falls does well at state because they've got the three things that you need. They've got solid pitching, they have experience, and they know how to manufacture runs. This is a team that, you know, if you follow Twin Falls over the years, they would win games at the state tournament two to one you know, um, three to two. I mean, they generally never got into those high scoring games because they just had three solid arms. And you remember a guy by the name of Cy Sneed that threw for them a while ago. Uh, 
boy, ended up really doing well down in Texas. But, you know, that's kind of been Twins M.O. This year, their bats are stronger. They're hitting the ball a whole lot better than I think in previous years. Uh, maybe they don't have, you know, those three top caliber pitchers, but they have enough pitching to get through a state tournament. So, uh, Twin, um, they got hot. They closed the season at 7-2, and two, or excuse me, uh, they closed the season well, 20 and three, beg your pardon. So this is the number one team and, and they'd have to be the favorite in the tournament, you know, so and everybody's going to be watching that semifinal game, if twin advances and if Bishop Kelly advances. Now twins going to have to get by Bonneville. The last one I'll talk about Bonneville six, a, the number one team out of district six finished with the record of 14 and 12. They were the third best record in the conference behind Blackfoot and skyline who are not here. You know, so again, here come the upsets, you know, and they play that best of three uh, district style tournament as well. You know, and uh, number one skyline, they opened up against number four Hillcrest and lost two games to one. So, boom, they're out. Uh, number three Bonneville upsets number two Blackfoot two games to one. Boom, done. And so in the championship game, it's the number three team against the number four team and Bonneville advanced two games to nothing. And so they got hot. They closed at seven and two, um, but they're streaky. Bonneville is a streaky team. They started 0-3. Then they won three. Then they lost three. Then they won four. Then they lost four. That's how they've been all season long. Uh, just incredibly streaky. They've got four seniors, pretty young, but uh, it'll be really interesting to see kind of what they do because I don't want to say anybody had an easy road through a district tournament because those are not easy, but Bonneville, they upset Blackfoot, the number two team, and then they had the number four team. And then that was it. So I don't know where the challenge so much was. And that's going to be the talk of Bonneville. Did they get challenged enough coming down the stretch to step into a state tournament, especially when they have to open up against the number one team in Twin Falls? Yeah, and I, I know Bonneville has uh, at least a kid or two that was part of that American Legion team in Idaho Falls that won the entire American Legion World Series two summers yeah. ago. So they do have some experience there as well. All right, let's bring in uh, Mike Safford. Mike, can you hear us all right? I, I can hear you. Hopefully you can hear me. I'm going to try to go as fast as I can because we've been struggling with this today. We've been struggling with <laughs> yeah. this. So here's, here's the, be interesting. Yeah. It's the, uh, so the 5A is going to be interesting from the standpoint that it's going to be the uh, SIC against, at least in my mind, Idaho Falls. And you think about that Idaho Falls team you were just talking about, Bonneville, um, Scott, and the fact that it was Bonneville and Idaho Falls two years ago that played for the 4A state championship. Bonneville won that game by a score of 3-1. Uh, to one. But as you mentioned, those two teams combined to play for the American Legion World Series uh, championship and won that back in 2019. And that Idaho, Idaho Falls team returns three of their four infielders from that 2019 team here in 2021. There were three sophomore starters that are back, and that's a team that has really played outstanding in, uh, in eastern Idaho. And uh, it's going to be them, I think, against a huge, great group of, of teams from the SIC. I mean, it starts with Timberline right now, a team that really has run rough. Shot. They've only lost three times all season. One of those was to Idaho Falls. They split with I Falls. Both of them were close ball games. Uh, a team that has outstanding pitching and has the top offense in, in all of uh, 5A baseball. But 
you would think Timberline is a shoe in to win it. No, no, no. You've got great other teams. Rocky Mountain has given them fits this season, although they got swept in the uh, uh, best two of three in the District Three championships. Mountain Views. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, Mountain View, I know, was the number like six seeded districts. And yeah, that the District Three bracket was kind of crazy, too. There were some upsets along the way as we've uh, lost Mike for a moment. He's frozen in the sands of time uh, <laughs> yeah right everybody who took the over is a winner all right <laughs> okay well we're gonna let's pop mike off here and see if he can reconnect let's just kind of do this communally guys we look at this 5a bracket i gotta be honest i think timberline might be one of the most disrespected teams all year in terms of the coaches poll uh i i, I along with lauren and paul put together the coaches poll every single week and i think only two or three times was Timberline the number one ranked team. Rocky Mountain on reputation, and deservedly so, was the number one team for most of the season, despite the fact that Timberline had beaten Rocky. Uh, even when Timberline had the head-to-head -head win over Rocky, Rocky was still ranked ahead of Timberline. And then I think Timberline showed that they are the top team when they swept Rocky in that best two of three series. You look at their conference, I mean, their overall records 21 and three for Timberline, 21 and five for Rocky. You know, and you, you kind of talked about their head to heads a little bit, but run differential, they're almost identical. Timberline giving up about one run less over the, that amount of games. And so, yeah, those two teams, they've kind of been neck and neck. And like I said, Timberline, yeah, they kind of popped in and out of that number one spot. We're in the rankings most of the time, but. Yeah, they, they definitely could be that team to challenge the Idaho Falls, to challenge, you know, those that team up north as well. So, Gary, what do you think about this 5A bracket? This is right in your neck of the woods. Yeah, it's almost um, the 3A, the District 3, you know, the one in Boise, that league is so tough because those schools are so big and they have so many athletes that – I have a tendency to think if I was a betting man, I'd probably bet on the number one seed out of the Boise Valley. But once again, it doesn't mean they're going to win. But I'm sure Timberline has faced as much competition as any team in that tournament throughout. So um, Timberline and Rocky would be like the favorites for me just because of how tough the uh, S SIC is in the Boise Valley. Yeah, and then you talk about up north, Coeur d'Alene was the number three seed at their districts, and they upset uh, top-seeded post falls to earn their spot at state. So they're kind of a, a wild card as well, maybe one of those teams that just happens to be uh, playing uh, good baseball at the right time. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be pretty exciting. First of all, how exciting is it that we have state baseball a year after the spring calendar was completely wiped out? That alone is worth celebrating, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. It has been uh, – everybody is just itching to go. I mean, you talk to any of these coaches, any of these players, I mean, it's all – of, all of them are acting like they are kids at Christmas right now because it's been – I mean, it's hard to think about it. It's been two years since we've done this. Yeah. You know, one thing about my bracket, does the home field advantage matter? Because Fruitland's playing at home. How much yeah. is home field in baseball? I think uh, a lot, especially because the uh, restrictions on how many fans can attend now has been uh, scaled back. We're in uh, phase four now of the reopening plan, which helps with fan attendance quite a bit. So, yeah, you know, if a team is playing or like Scott mentioned, Twin Falls and Canyon Ridge are playing right in their city. 
Uh, Lauren in Pocatello, I know talking to Malad coach Bo Clark, he was pretty happy about being somewhat close because they usually are having to travel way, way, way far away. So those teams in Southeast Idaho got to be pretty excited about the 2A as well. Yeah, yeah it's, it's I think for Fruitland to be at home. And they, they're playing on their field. So it's an added level of comfort. Now, how big of a factor that is, is anybody's guess. Yeah. And, well, and like I, I, said, I, go ahead, Lauren. Go ahead. I always enjoyed, you know, traveling at, to state tournaments. You know, it was, it was kind of a novel thing. But there's two, you know, two sides of it. You travel, okay, you're all staying together, maybe away from some distractions possibly at home. But there's there's plenty of other distractions when you're somewhere else and you're going to eat out and you're you know hanging out at a hotel as well and so you know both ways it's really up to these coaches you know fields are fields are fields uh, you know the dimensions are pretty much the same you might have a little deeper outfield here and there but um, the fields are fields and you got to come out you got to play fundamental defense um, stay down on your ground balls and and hit the baseball and so. I think it's more up to the distractions, you know, what teams stay focused on where they're at, what they're doing, and which teams kind of let the moment and, and the surroundings get to them a little bit. Yeah, and, and with the home field where I'm at, the 1A in Orofino, you know, Prairie, their coach Kyle Westoff told me, you know, of all the baseball and football titles the Prairie has won in its story history, none have been away from North Idaho. So that's going to be a key up there in Orofino at that 1A tournament. We'll give the last word to Paul Kingsbury. We were talking about that 5A tournament a little bit. And Gary, you said if you were a betting man, you'd bet on that top team from the Boise Valley. Since 2009, only one non-SIC team has won the 5A title, and that was Lake City in 2016. So there you go. The proof's in the pudding, I guess. So. Yeah, the 5A SIC, they're tested. Those guys that make it to state are the real deal because – They've got the toughest league in the state of Idaho. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're excited. Once again, IdahoSports.com will be bringing you every single pitch from all five state tournaments. The 5A tournament uh, taking place in uh, at Boise, uh, excuse me, at uh, Rocky Mountain High School in Meridian. Uh, that will be where Mike Safford is at. You know, Mike, <laughs> hopefully Mike has a better time tomorrow. Uh, than he did today, dropping in and out of the broadcast, that's for sure. Uh, Scott will be at the 4A tournament. That's going to be at the College of Southern Idaho in Twin Falls. Gary, you'll be at the 3A tournament in Fruitland. Lauren will be at the 2A tournament in Pocatello. Those all start tomorrow. And then the 1A tournament up in Orofino gets started on Friday. It's going to be a great time. Guys, I'm fired up. I'm so fired up. I was mowing my grass earlier today, and I pulled the pull cord so hard that it came out. <laughs> <laughs> that's how fired up i am for state baseball guys it's it's gonna be a blast well, let's put you in a uniform then man you could play <laughs> that's right that's right and and of course paul every time i'm wrong about something five a's at wolf field in caldwell rocky mountain is the host school so there you go it's a yeah at the uh, college of idaho in caldwell so all right. Uh, thanks for doing this, guys. This has been a blast. Good luck with the calls uh, starting tomorrow on IdahoSports.com. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks right. a lot, Brandon. <laughs> I knew I, I was setting you guys up for failure there. <laughs> All of us at once. Go. Everybody was going to talk at the same time. Hey, big thanks to everybody who uh, got on and commented today as well on Facebook in YouTube and Twitter. If you weren't able to be with us live, we will have archive of this video. Yeah, Chico State representing. Uh, <laughs> I can't read what yours says, Lauren. It's pretty small. Direct, Direct TV. TV. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's just I'm at work. Tiger uh, Nation, Jerome Tiger, yeah. Scott Burton. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so the video will be archived on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube if you didn't get a chance to be here live, or if you were so horrified by what you saw today, we will also have an audio-only version available wherever you download your podcasts. It'll be part of the IdahoSports.com podcast feed. So. Uh, boy. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it. Thanks for tuning into this live state baseball preview on IdahoSports.com, and we'll see you later.